The Wigglesworth Sports Guide is brought to you by SunMaxBatteries.com, the go-to website for all your battery needs. SunMax Batteries sells a full line of super heavy-duty ultra-alkaline lithium and button cell batteries. SunMax Batteries compares with quality to well-known national brands, and the best part, SunMax Batteries are priced much lower than their competitors. Guys, Valentine's Day is coming up, and you know what that means. You need some batteries, okay? Maybe not really, but you know, if you're going to have some sort of display that maybe needs batteries, you should head over to SunWestBatteries.com anyway, okay? Because you can get batteries for flashlights, remote controls, game controls, headphones, digital cameras, heat smoke alarms. You might as well stock up so that when you go look for batteries, you have them. All right, so head over to SunWestBatteries.com, support the podcast. You can order a 24-pack of AA or AAA heavy-duty batteries for only $5.99 or a 24-pack of Ultra Alkaline Ideal for all kinds of gaming high-tech devices at just $12.99. Order today and use coupon code BOSTON at checkout to save 20% off your entire order. That's coupon code BOSTON at checkout and save big today. Semixbatteries.com, C-E-L-M-A-X-Batteries.com, the official sponsor of the Wicked Smart Sports Guys. All right, welcome back to another episode of the Wicked Smart Sports Guys podcast. Thanks, as always, to Dolly Dreams for the intro music. Uh, this is a very somber episode of the podcast. I have Max Lissette with me, and we'll be discussing the late Kobe Bryant, who, of course, passed away this past week, and I'm sure you all know. Uh, we, we've gotten a chance here, Max, over the last few days, you and I both, to see some of the heartbreaking reactions to Kobe's passing and kind of absorb the situation from a lot of people who knew him. What have been your takeaways from the last few days here as people mourn the loss of someone who was, for some, their greatest hero and for others, a true friend? Yeah, thanks for having me on, KJ. It's sad that this has to be um, the reason for me coming back on the pod. You know, I wish we were talking about something a lot uh, more uplifting or positive right now. But uh, I think one of the main takeaways for me is just, you know, we always thought about Kobe as this invincible type of guy um, unstoppable, you know, nothing could really, um, you know, stop him from, you know, doing what he put his mind to. Uh, he was just always this, like, this kind of symbol of, like, uh, you know, un, un, he was just unbreakable. And uh, so it's just kind of crazy, you know, it, it kind of teaches you that nobody is invincible. Um, everybody is just kind of, you know, human, the same, you know, we're all the same, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, even these guys that we look up to as superheroes are, you know, human in the end, just like us. And um, also just kind of uh, the fragility of life is just something that I, I keep on thinking about, you know, um, how quickly things can be taken away. Um, and, you know, it, it, it's always sad that it takes uh, deaths like this sometimes for us to kind of realize that. I think every time that, you know, one of these big... Uh, celebrity deaths uh, happens or one of these, you know, horrible tragedies happens, um, we kind of all have that realization. And it's sad that it, it kind of takes those events sometimes for us to realize that. But uh, yeah, just just an awful last few days and um, really just puts things into perspective of, you know, how short life can be and how uh, quickly things can uh, change in an instant. Well, I guess we'll just move on to this part. Where were you when it happened, when you heard the news about Colby's passing? I think feel like we're kind of in that area. Uh, I was just sitting at my house playing some video games with my friend and, you know, just casually scrolling Twitter on a Sunday afternoon. And when I saw the news, you know, everybody was kind of saying, uh, you know, I hope it's a joke. I hope this can't be true. You know, TMZ was the first to report it. So obviously everybody was like, um, you know, kind of banking on it being the typical unreliable TMZ news. And, uh, you know, when it turned out to not be, you know, you know, more sources started to confirm it. 
uh, I was just in shock. I, you know, couldn't even really continue to play uh, video games with my friend and like talk to him and laugh with him. So, you know, I was just in shock and kind of speechless. Um, I think kind of everybody had the same reaction. It felt like, uh, where were you? I was at home and I was pretty much doing the same thing. I was getting ready to, to play some Fortnite with uh, my buddy that we were, we were <laughs> setting up a game and he, he was taking a while and uh, you know, it was a relatively slow news day in general. I, I was, you know, I, there was rumors starting to heat up about Mookie Betts, so I just tweeted about that for for a guy about in sports, and uh, I'm kind of looking at that tweet, and I'm like, okay, how's how's this doing? And you know, is there any updates here? And what else is going on? And I'm kind of like looking through my feed, but you know, just waiting around uh, and tr- trying to ch- check all this stuff out, see what's going on. And I, all of a sudden, it comes across the feed like just Kobe Bryant, and I see one one account tweet about it, and I'm like. Well, you know, is this one of those hoaxes? I, I've always heard about these hoaxes, but I've never be, really been wrapped up in one. I've never been like, you know, uh, got by one. So you, you always hear about that. But I think a lot of people haven't really experienced like themselves being fooled by one. So I was like, is that this situation? Like, is this what happens to people? Or, you know, is this, is it, am I getting fooled here? And so I keep monitoring it and I'm refreshing my feed and refreshing my feed. And then I see people I trust tweeting about it, you know, like Kevin O'Connor and all these other people. And I'm like, is this real? Like, what, what is happening? And I, I'm still like, not sure if I should believe this or not. And I'm like, should I tweet about this myself? Like, is this is this real news? Is this what, what I mean, I, I'm, I'm still so dumbfounded. I don't know what's going on. And then eventually, I see that ABC News confirms it. And when that happens, I'm like, all right, well, I, I trust them more than TMZ. You know, as it turns out, they weren't the most reliable source on the story either. But as soon as they end up reporting it as well i just i i figured it must have been true and i just i couldn't believe it i was i mean as you said Kobe's just this figure that ha- has been so impactful in so many ways that it, it was the first real tragedy that i can remember ever experiencing myself of a person that of a celebrity that you know was was so big and so on a massive scale that i had you know followed before their passing i mean there has been only one celebrity that i can even think that was even you know in of that magnitude that has passed since i've been alive and that's michael jackson but i didn't follow michael jackson michael jackson was also uh 50 years old which is still very young but he had his own mental and physical issues at the time and it felt like he was kind of at the end of his his life even as young as he was and Kobe Bryant, it felt like he had so much more left to give the world, and especially his daughter had left to give the world. So, uh, you know, it, it was the first person that I can remember having uh, so followed them and, you know, been so aware of their life uh, when they passed. And now to think that he is one of these tragedies in the same way that Tupac is or Sean Taylor is, and now he's one of those guys that I really only ever knew as tragedies. I never knew Sean Taylor before I knew about the Sean Taylor tragedy. I never knew about Tupac before I knew about the Tupac tragedy. And now Kobe Bryant is one of those people, and it's just crazy for me to think about that, considering what we knew of Kobe before this time. So like I said, it's my first real you know, time that I've ever had to think about a celebrity in that way. And uh, in this case, you know, one of the greatest athletes we've seen in, in this, you know, th- th- this century uh, that's that started just 20 years ago. So with him winning five championships and it's uh, it's strange and it's awful. And, uh, you know, there's the, the fact that his daughter was on the plane with him just or the helicopter with him. 
really adds to that because by all accounts she was an incredible basketball player herself yeah i remember just a few weeks ago i was talking to my one friend uh he plays basketball down in south america right now and he was telling me about uh kobe's daughter literally just maybe two or three weeks ago telling me that she's like the next coming in the wnba um that she's just you know like he, he would always joke and say that she could even uh you know kobe would even want her to be in the nba one day and uh <laughs> Yeah, it's just crazy. I mean, I, I like you said, I, I've never uh, experienced like a death of a celebrity that really hit me this hard and that was this um, kind of big of a deal. And I, I think Michael Jackson was the last person that I, uh, whose death I remember that, you know, was as big uh, internationally um, and as like shocking. But like you said, even though he was still pretty young at, at 50 years old, uh, it didn't have that same feeling as Kobe, where it was just like so shocking and sudden and um, unexpected. And, you know, it, it, I've seen people say over the last few days, it, it actually feels to a lot of people like they lost uh, like a close family member. It almost feels like they knew uh, Kobe, even if, you know, people, you know, obviously most people haven't met him or interacted with him. Um, but, you know, just it, it really does feel like you, you lost somebody that you knew um, just having grown up following the sport, he was always, at least for me, kind of one of those central figures um, in just like my lifetime story of, of falling in love with the game of basketball and, you know, watching it and uh, following along with it and stuff. He was kind of always right there from the start. Uh, I think it's as a Celtics fan, um, maybe part of it is, you know, those Celtics Lakers battles, but I know also uh, kind of my. Um, fondest memory, and I know we were going to talk about this later in the podcast, uh, is, you know, our, our, our fondest memories of him. Mine would probably be uh, just not even one moment of his career, but just uh, kind of as a kid, I had a best friend who actually was a huge Kobe fan. He would make YouTube videos of uh, all of Kobe's uh, game-winning shots, buzzer beaters, you know, all his best plays. He put together these compilations and uh, just a huge Kobe fan. And I grew up actually as a LeBron fan, which is funny now because um, my feelings have kind of changed over the years on him, obviously. But uh, we would always argue, you know, LeBron versus Kobe, like literally just the classic, uh, you know, two kids out on the court playing together and just arguing over, you know, which guy was better. And over the years, like, I think uh, post Achilles tear Kobe was kind of my favorite Kobe. Um, I went from kind of hating him as a rival of the Celtics to really admiring and respecting his work ethic. And, you know, I, I don't really have like one moment that stands out from Kobe's career that was kind of my favorite, but I think just post Achilles tear Kobe where you really saw uh, his perseverance and his work ethic and everything. And uh, that was something I always respected and admired. So um, I know I'm a little early on the favorite moment discussion, but that was actually, uh, you know, just my my biggest memory of him uh, was just growing up arguing with my friend about, you know, who was better. And uh, he'll always, you know, hold a special place in my story of kind of falling in love with the NBA and basketball. Yeah. And I, the moment that I was going to bring up was one that I, I wrote about in my Kobe tribute piece, which people can go check out because I've tried to talk about this moment and I just cannot put it better than I was able to write it. Uh, so it, people can go check it out, but it was this one shot Kobe had 
in you know a relatively forgettable game uh, for most people. I think against the Clippers when that you know was the rise of Lob City and the fall of the Lakers, and it seemed like okay, well the Clippers are are you know revving up to take over LA and be the best team in that city. And they were facing off against the Lakers on January and in you know random January night. And I just remember watching that game because I felt like it was so big at the time. Like, are the Clippers going to dethrone the Lakers here? And Kobe just was not going to let them. He played 44 minutes, 38 points, five steals at, as a 34-year-old. And it was just incredible watching that game and his you know desire and his drive to, to beat the Clippers and stay on top. And they ended up losing that game. But I didn't remember that. What I remembered was Kobe Bryant at the top of the key, crossing over Matt Barnes and drilling a jumper with his jersey in his mouth, <laughs> which I've never seen a player do before, which is, is crazy. It's almost like, I don't think, I don't even know if you're allowed to chew gum on the court, but it was almost like, you, I, I would assume you're not. And it's almost like Kobe just wanted to be chewing on something. So he's just chewing on his jersey. I've never seen anybody do that. And I was like, is this even legal like what is he how is he able to do this right now and and how are you able to even do this in a game that's like coming down to the wire it's so important and you would think like are, should you really be chewing on your jersey right now how are you doing that and it was just another way in which he was just locked in he, he could just do whatever he wanted on the court and I don't know if he was trying to distract Matt Barnes if it was just something that made him more comfortable or but just the that act alone and and being able to Hit a shot. I remember just thinking, how can you hit a shot while chewing on your jersey? Like I felt like physically that was just so difficult, and that that was um just a moment in watching Kobe again. Right as you grow up and as you grow, all right. I hated this guy when I was a little kid, but you know, as you said, kind of learning. Maybe I shouldn't hate him because I, I and I should more so respect him for. Just, for, for being this the competitor he is and I, I ended up doing that I mean there were all kinds of moments that made me respect Kobe as a competitor from him hitting those free throws after he tore his Achilles that was a huge moment him blocking LeBron in the all-star game uh in, in that really close uh, all-star game that came down to the wire was a huge moment for me and uh, again a ra- rather meaningless moment in the grand scheme of things and it's just in the all-star game but it was a moment where LeBron's like the best player in the league at that point and Kobe's just trying to say, don't forget about me, okay? And I, I, I think he thinks he's still better than this guy. And, he, you know, just blocking him down the stretch kind of shows I still have the upper hand on this guy. I can still beat this guy uh, if I need to and all this stuff. So th- those were big Kobe moments for me. I also want to talk about some of the tributes that have, have gone on around the league and around just the sports world. Um, one of the ones that stood out to me was ESPN's L. Duncan. Uh, she had a moving tribute about one of her conversations with Kobe. That's I have that up on my Twitter if people want to check that out because that was a really great one. Uh, you know, she talked about her interaction with Kobe and just how much his daughter's meant to him. And it was just again one of those. It was a small little story, but it was so well done and 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 so well put together. And there were some incredible lines in that. I encourage people to check it out because it was really really great. Um, the 24 and 8 second violations, those were special. And those are something that nobody's ever going to forget. Nobody is ever going to forget those moments. It's going to, you know, I'm sure people make YouTube videos on crazy things that happen in NBA history all the time. I'm sure that is going to be one eventually, the day that people just w- refuse to play for 24, 48 seconds and or 32 seconds of the game, whichever one they decided to do. And 
it was just a moment that I, I was, I, you know, the announcers knew it was going to happen. I kind of wish that they didn't because I would have loved to see the genuine reaction of, wow, they're just, they're not playing. They're just letting the clock expire. And it's so funny how Kobe's numbers just worked perfectly into those violations. That there are those, you know, just those little um, spots in the game that kind of feel that like they represent him uh, in some way. It's just, it's, it's funny how that, that ended up working out. And it ended up uh, being that Kobe's able to be remembered in that way. And as I said, I mean, you know, there was some debate over whether or not they should have played those games or not. But... Can, the fact that they did created this moment that nobody, uh, no NBA fan, no NBA player, nobody covering the NBA is ever going to forget. Yeah, I was just going to say the same thing. You know, we were all kind of debating whether or not they should have played, but I think that the fact that they did and they were able to have those moments, those kind of uh, spontaneous, you know, I don't know, they really didn't have much time to plan anything before the first game. I'm pretty sure that the uh, whoever it was, I think it was, was it the Spurs and... Uh, the Rockets, are, you know, to, whoever was playing in that first game of the day, I think they were already in their warm-ups and everything, you know, ready to go, uh, maybe even out on the court, you know, warming up by the time that the news broke. And so they really didn't have much time to plan anything. And uh, the fact that they just kind of spontaneously came up with that, um, it was like just a really cool and touching moment. And uh, I am glad that we got that moment um, as hard as it was for some of those guys to play. And I also think that uh, somebody else had a good point in regards to, you know, the whole conversation of whether they should have been playing or not. I think it was nice that, you know, players that didn't want to play, like Kyrie, you know, they didn't have to play, but other guys might cope differently. It might be best for them to get out on the court and just kind of uh, forget about things for a couple hours or, or play in his memory. Yeah, I mean, I just know personally, the first thing I wanted to do when I heard the news, or maybe the second or third thing, was I just wanted to shoot. I just wanted to play basketball. You know, because that's what I've always loved to do. And I think what Kobe Bryant inspired a lot of people to do. So, I mean, uh, you know, I haven't heard a lot of people say that, that they were did want to play the game. And a lot of people were upset, obviously. But I, I'm sure there were people out there that just felt like, I, I just want to play. And, uh, you know, that's that's how I want to honor Kobe. Um, and there were some other reactions, too. The TNT special broadcast, of course, the cancel. Lakers, Clippers, Celtics game moves back. TNT does a big special broadcast in honor of Kobe. Uh, they had... Rick Fox on, Derek Fisher, Steve Nash, Dwayne Wade, uh, and, and, and that was really special, Candace Parker, and then Shaq's reaction during the whole thing. I mean, it, it, it was clear Shaq is, is really broken up about this for obvious reasons, and he just seems d- devastated. Uh, it's, it's hard to really watch Shaq, uh, and, and you feel so awful for him, but it's I mean, he lost a, a really good friend. And there, there was one thing on that broadcast. He said he hadn't talked to him since his 60-point game. And I, I immediately thought, and a lot of people pointed out, that they did have that sit-down interview, I think, just two years ago or a year and a half ago. And so so there was some confusion there as to you know whether or not Shaq, how often Shaq had really talked to him, whether he meant the last time I talked to him at Staples Center or what, what the situation was there. Or whether Shaq just forgot, and they—that was the only time they'd talked uh, talked since that moment. So it's kind of hard to know, but you know, I, I just watching him talk about losing Kobe and really his life in general because he's lost other people in his life, and him saying, you know, I don't talk to you guys as much as I should, and him just being in tears—it was—it was really hard to watch. 
uh, Shaq just and how how upset he he is about the whole situation and you know I, I really hope he can kind of find peace with with Kobe's passing and I, I think out of everybody I've seen he's he's probably taken it the hardest of, of all these these people that uh, you know knew Kobe on a personal level yeah that TNT special was it was honestly just really heartbreaking seeing Shaq talk about it when he broke down and started crying I think it was just like one of those moments where it's like everybody kind of was crying right there along with him it's just to see somebody uh who's usually so goofy and just happy-go-lucky breaking down like that and you think about kind of all the stuff that they went through together even though they had their ups and downs and probably more downs than ups um just to see him struggling so much to to deal with the loss uh it was really tough and um you know you you just feel really bad for him uh even though they had that adversarial relationship you know that uh just all the the things that they went through together, the battles that they fought together, um, he has to be just really hurting. And like you said, you know, I I don't know what he meant when he said that they hadn't spoken since Kobe's final game. I don't know if he meant that that was the last time they spoke in Staples Center or uh, the last time that they spoke in general, because I know they did that uh, sit-down interview, made made amends on their beef or whatever, and they kind of talked about the, the things that they went through together. And so I know that they, they definitely talked in a uh, forced and structured setting uh, since Kobe's last game, but I, I wasn't 100% clear what he meant when he was talking about that. But nonetheless, just a really tough loss for him, and, and you feel for him. And, you know, that whole that whole night was just a really special and, and touching night to watch, you know, Steve Nash and Shaq and Dwayne Wade and I think even Phil Jackson was on at one point just talking about their stories, you know, with Kobe, and it, it was really awesome to see. Yeah, Jerry West was on there too. Yeah, it was, it was great. Um, and, and one of the other things that stood out to me was Kobe's reach to other athletes because I remember th- there was one, I think it must have been the Pro Bowl, Deshaun Watson was talking about how Kobe had just recently flown out to Houston to talk to him about his game and stuff like that, and I thought, wow, you know, like there are so many people that Kobe – has touched and taken the time to reach out to and, you know, talk with them and, and just, you know, and try to improve their, you know, game as an athlete in general. And at all levels, all sports, he, he just was so dedicated to making players better. And it, it was it was incredible to kind of hear that, like, wow, he took the time to just fly out and see Deshaun Watson and call Trey Young and text him all the time. And, like, all these guys just that, that Kobe's had an impact on personally – his dedication to just teaching people uh, the game and teaching people how to compete was was remarkable to me, and I don't think we'll ever see anything like that again. Yeah, I mean, we knew the impact that we had that he had on on the sport and the league, but I was just shocked to see all of the guys that came out of the woodwork telling their stories of you know their interactions with him, um, not only the NBA players, but also just you know even like golfers that I saw you know talking about how. Kobe had reached out to them at some point and, uh, you know, how, how they kind of always worked um, with the same, they, they tried to, you know, model their work ethic after Kobe's and, you know, even like, you know, when you see golfers talking about that, it was just kind of like really made you realize, wow, like he was one of the most admired um, athletes across, you know, any sport just by other athletes, you know, everybody just wanted to take after, you know, his drive and his work ethic and, um 
uh, I just keep on hearing these stories of, of players in the league as well. Like I, I heard Kawhi talking about um, how he and Kobe actually had a close relationship. And I guess they both actually uh, flew with the same pilot that died in the, tr- the crash as well. Um, and I guess, you know, Kobe would take the helicopter and, and fly it somewhere. And then the pilot would come and pick Kawhi up and say that, you know, Kobe had said hello. Um, and then vice versa, you know, he'd drop Kawhi off and go get Kobe and say that Kawhi said hello. And it was just kind of cool to hear about, um, that relationship and, and all of the relationships that we've heard that he's had with these guys in the NBA. It it was really, um, just kind of surprising and, and, nice to hear that you know he was constantly reaching out to these guys young guys old guys um veterans rookies everybody um trying to leave his mark on the game trying to help them in whatever way he could and uh it really speaks to the type of person he was and then uh i've also just heard these stories of you know like him visiting a kid in the hospital and um and making sure that there was no pr no cameras nothing and, you know, I, the the story was that he went and visited this kid and kind of went up the back stairs of the hospital and uh, snuck in and spent like an hour with him passing the ball back and forth and uh, giving him autographed items. And uh, it, I think the kid only lived another week or so after that. And, you know, just a really touching story of, of Kobe, you know, making this kid's uh, dreams come true, you know, in his final week uh, before he passed. And... You know, uh, apparently there's just hundreds of stories like that of him doing these things behind the scenes that nobody ever heard about. And, uh, you know, I, I know he's he's got, you know, his, he's had his mistakes and he had, uh, you know, his his bad moments. But it seemed like he really did everything that he could to kind of better himself as a man and uh, take ownership of of his mistakes and kind of um lead the best life and most impactful life that he could and it was it was really cool to hear all those stories yeah uh so there's been some players changing their numbers in honor of kobe as well so far spencer dinwiddie has changed his number terrence ross mo harkless marquee morris really looking forward they're all number eight the question is will kemba kemba said he's considering it um some other guys who were other numbers changed their numbers as well um my oni for the utah jazz their rookie uh, he was number 24. He's changing his number. Mason Plumley, number 24. He is changing his number. Quinn Cook was number two. He's actually changing his number as well in honor of Kobe's daughter, Gianna. Uh, and he's so he's he's doing that for her. But um, do, do you think Kemba might change his number here? I know there are other guys who still have number eight that haven't changed it. I think Emmanuel Moutier, there's, there's conflicting reports on whether he's changing his number. But I'm pretty sure that people have said Rui Harushima isn't changing. Justin Holiday sticking with number eight. And Zach Levine, people don't know whether he is. Patty Mills, I'm pretty sure, saw his number eight. So there, there are guys. It, it, it's just gonna. It's an interesting situation because I think a lot of players are easily gonna feel pressured into changing their number if people continue to do this. Um, but you know, if the NBA doesn't do anything officially, it's hard to to know whether whether Kemba. Well, I mean, there are other considerations here. Guys like Markeith Morris, Jalilo, Kafor, Mohawk, West Terrence Ross, Spencer Dinwiddie. I mean, how many jerseys are those guys selling? I assume. There's a few Dinwiddies out there, maybe one or two rosters, but I mean Kemba and, and Zach Levine are the guys that really this is a business decision for. Yeah, I think I, I saw that the league's going to be evaluating it kind of case by case um, because I know there was the whole thing when LeBron wanted to give Anthony Davis his number over the summer, and I think it was too late. They had already you know made too many uh, jerseys with you know James number twenty three. Uh, 
that Nike and the league were both kind of like, you know, it's too late for that to happen. You could probably do it next year, but you know, we've, we've created too many of these jerseys already. So I would assume that, you know, guys like Kemba, um, there might be some talks with the league about, you know, maybe you, you have to wait until next year. Whereas, you know, like you said, the, the guys that aren't selling as many of those jerseys, uh, it's not as big of a deal. Um, when it comes to just the whole decision, you know, I, I'm not sure what Kemba will do. It sounds like he is leaning towards keeping number eight and kind of playing um, in honor of Kobe and, and, you know, just playing as hard as he can every night in Kobe's number to kind of honor him rather than uh, changing it. And I know if I was a player, I think that would probably be the route that I would take. Um, you know, I, I think that Kobe would probably say, you know, you know, don't change your number, uh, you know, to honor me, play as hard as you can in that number instead. And, and you know, obviously everybody's got different ways of coping, different ways of uh, honoring Kobe the way that they see fit. So I don't think that there's necessarily a right or wrong decision. But I, I think that if I were them, I would probably um, go the route of keeping the number and just playing my hardest every night in that number. Um, I don't know about you. Yeah, I'm not sure. It, it, it'd be a tough choice, obviously. I think that there is some level of pressure that players are starting to feel like if everybody else is doing it, maybe I have to. And, you know, it should be a personal decision. Unless the league steps in and, and does anything beyond that, then it's it's really your choice. And I think Laurie Markkinen also said he's keeping 24. So, uh, you know, I, I, I can't imagine everybody's going to do it. I know that a, a lot of people have, but I, I don't think it's going to be uh, league-wide. Yeah, I also want to say, I mean, I, I called this the greatest tragedy in, in Amer- North American sports history. I, I don't know if, I mean, I, I don't know what others come to mind. I don't want to start, like, measuring the, the you know, the size of other tragedies against one another. But, I mean, I, I nothing else really comes to mind other than this. I mean, this was uh, just horrific. And, you know, I, I, I th- thank you, Max, for coming on and talking about it with us and, uh, taking the time to to kind of discuss Kobe and his impact and uh, just what what we've seen here over the past week from people around the league honoring his memory. Yeah, I, like you said, you know, you never want to measure you know tragedies against each other, but I definitely think this is probably right there at the top of just the the most horrific, stunning, just terrible tragedies that we've ever seen. Not only in sports, but just really in like American in American pop culture. I've never seen anything like this in sports. And even just the last few days, it's been kind of just tearing me up. I know, like even the, the next day, uh, every couple hours, I would hear a different account of of somebody talking about him, telling their stories, talking about how they feel, and I would break down myself just listening to them. It wasn't until really today that I could even really like talk about it without uh, getting too upset. Just, just talking about it, and obviously, I, I had no real uh, connection to him past, you know, being a fan of his and being a fan of of basketball, and him just kind of being that central or one of the central figures in my basketball life. So, you know, just 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 a really terrible, terrible tragedy, and um, I'm glad that uh, I got to come on and talk to you about it. Some, I think, it's definitely helped to talk about it. Some, I know it probably helped for you to write about it, and so I appreciate, you know, the opportunity to just kind of give my perspective on everything and and talk about it in sort of a cathartic way, I guess. All right. And uh, yeah, as you said, if people want to do check out um, what I wrote about Kobe, they can head over to Guy Boston Sports and do that. Uh, It was just, you know, a a lot of uh, the beginning of it is just gathering a lot of the reactions. Uh, Another one we didn't talk about was Doc Rivers, who was really uh, broken up about it as well and and was finding it hard to give his presence. But a a lot of the reactions I had in there. Uh, to the, the immediate ones, it was written the day of, so it was um, a lot of the just the, the, the quick uh, 
reactions people had and um, then beyond that it was a few stories about Kobe that I, I specifically wanted to share um, uh, you know including uh, one from Jay Williams which is great uh, it was a great example of Kobe's work ethic and you know people can go check that out and look at what's in there because um, and, and, and see it for themselves but uh, thank you guys for listening to this episode of the podcast you can follow Max on Twitter at listmx14 you can follow me on Twitter at kjws follow the pod on Twitter at wicketsmartpod check out everything over at guybelts and sports um, if you can, I just, just throw out here, you know, consider donating to the Mamba Sports Foundation. That's going to be a big part of Kobe's legacy going forward. So if you, you'd like to do that, if you have the means to do that, um, you know, feel free. I'm, you know, just uh, that's that's uh, where uh, you can go find the, the what what Kobe and his family, uh, Vanessa Bryant. Uh, you know, that's that's what their kind of legacy is going to be here moving forward. So they've they've always had that 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 foundation, and I'm sure it's going to keep going strong beyond this. So. Um, Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week.